Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Environment Enlist, the show where we talk about adventures in sustainability, lifestyle, and business for people who are trying their best. My name is Samira, and I am so excited to be back hosting the show with new episodes. Today's guest is very special. We have author and Parsons School of Design professor Raz Gadelnik here with us. Raz is actually the reason that I go to Parsons. So I was researching different programs. I find Raz's work online. He focuses on sustainable business models and how companies can respond effectively to the climate crisis. He also has a project called Sandbox Zero, which explores new ideas to help create an entirely new paradigm of sustainability thinking. I really loved the idea of creating tools and frameworks to change the way businesses operated for sustainability. And essentially, Raz's work really inspired me to choose Parsons, and I'm so grateful. He recently published a book, Rethinking Corporate Sustainability in the Era of Climate Crisis, a Strategic Design Approach. And I'm excited to share our conversation with you all. Let's get into the interview. Hi, Raz. Welcome to Environment Enlist. We are so excited to have you here. And I have just introduced you earlier in the podcast, and I've been talking about how I actually ended up at Parsons because of your work and finding it on the internet. But I'd love if you could introduce yourself and talk a little bit about the work that you do. Thank you so much, uh, Samira, and thank you for inviting me. I'm I'm, uh, very excited to be here. Just to to give a quick introduction, my name is Raz Godelnik. I'm an assistant professor of strategic design and management at Parsons School of Design, where I'm currently also serving as the associate director of the BBA program in strategic design and management. I've been working on sustainability in business for over 15 years or so, starting my way as an entrepreneur, co-founded two green startups, then shifted my focus also more into research as I really wanted to, to dig deeper into understanding how to make sustainability work. That led me also to do intensive writing throughout the years and eventually also to academia. And I'm very happy to be really at, at Parsons and the New School, which is really an, an institution that is all about challenging the status quo, which is very much what I've been doing and what my book is all about. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm also a huge fan of just following you on Medium and LinkedIn, which to all the listeners here, if you can definitely follow Raz on both of those platforms, because I've learned so much just about how to evaluate sustainability initiatives, pick out greenwashing, or as you often call it, sustainability as usual. So how would you describe sustainability as usual? And what is your advice to newcomers and professionals that are identifying it? Right. So sustainability as usual, in a way, it's a response to business as usual. And and business as usual was what we would mostly identify with the Milton Friedman approach that the social responsibility of business is to increase its profits. And that has been the the dominant mental model in, in business for the last five decades. But at the same time, we also saw a new approach that is rising and that has made sustainability a very integral part of what businesses are doing. The idea that businesses have tried to become 
more responsible, try to take more responsibility about their uh, social and environmental impact. But at the same time, these efforts were still subjected to, to this shareholder capitalism mental model. And, and what we saw is what I call sustainability as usual, which is really that mindset in which companies uh, basically do what they can, not what they need to do. It's very much about a voluntary-based approach that has lack of clear sustainability context. In many cases, it's vague. You don't have clear benchmarks. And it doesn't have that clear sense of urgency, which is certainly required when we think in the context of the climate crisis. And last but not least, it's very incremental, right? It, it's very much about incremental steps, incremental changes, certainly not the type of systemic change that, that we need to see when we think about the multiple crises that we face. So when people are thinking about, you know, identifying these different companies that are just doing a bad job or this is a bad climate pledge or this is a bad initiative, could you give an example of what maybe someone should be looking for when they look at maybe a new plan that a company releases? What could they immediately know is just a poor example? Right. So, so one thing is always to look for substance and, and to look for any clues that companies are trying to sort of have the cake and eat it too. I'll give maybe an example or two. So one example, right, one thing that became very common these days is uh, net zero targets. Many companies are coming with net zero plans, basically how they reduce their carbon emissions to uh, zero. But one thing to look at is, are these uh, plans that are mostly geared towards just the long term? meaning that companies are saying in 2050 or in 2040, you're going to have zero emissions, right? But they won't talk about what are you going to do next year or what are your uh, plans or what are your goals for 2025 or even 2030? And, and that gives you a sense that not just in terms of it, this is not as serious as it should be, but also, I mean, it doesn't really have the level of planning and, and level of commitment that it requires because any serious change requires companies basically to start thinking about what they do now, not what you know that they do in 19 years from now or even in, in 14 years from now. So that's one thing. Another thing is, is to look for materiality. Basically, are companies trying to innovate, for example, at the core of the business or they're just trying to innovate, you know, at the edges. Uh, one example that they like is uh, Heinz, the ketchup producer that came up uh, recently with, you know, some very exciting news about how they made the cap of their ketchup bottle uh, recyclable. And they were very proud to say that, you know, this is an effort that they worked eight years on, you know, in the making and, and they, they invested more than $1 million and about 185,000 hours into it. One question that you want to ask is this innovation material? And I would say, uh, no, it may save potentially, right? 1 billion caps, right, that may be recycled. But the question is not how do we recycle the cap, right? The, the question should be how can we avoid, right, uh, production of hundreds of millions of ketchup bottles in the first place? How do we put the energy and the efforts into thinking about the new business model, right, 
just thinking about the, the cap, if there's one thing, it's clear that we can't uh, fight the, the climate crisis one catch a battle at a time. Yeah, absolutely. Especially considering that recycling itself is such a broken system. But your book proposes a shift to awaken sustainability. So we're really changing conditions across law, social norms, markets, organizational design. And this framework ultimately aims to shift corporate sustainability from shareholder capitalism 2.0 to sustainability first now. Part of this is changing the sustainability narrative. What does it look like to change narratives and sustainability and how can companies begin to take that on? That's a great question. So one thing that I'm talking about is really that right now we're in this thinking mode about the, the business case for sustainability, right? We always try to, to make the case why it's profitable to take certain actions that have a sustainability added value to them. And the claim in my book that I'm making, right, is that this is part of the narrative. This is part of the, the mental model of sustainability, as usual, that puts profit-making, profit-maximization first, and, and sustainability second in, in the best-case scenario. And, and that's just not working, right? What happens is that it's just not working, and, and the results are very incremental, so the way that they think about the shift that we need to see is how do we change, how do we shift the hierarchy? How do we put sustainability first and profit-making second? And, and the idea is really that, in a way, we need to, to consider, right, how do we shift? We can imagine the, the sort of the journey that businesses have been taking, right, from shareholder value where basically this is the, the Milton Friedman's thinking to shared value. This is Michael Porter's thinking about creating shared value. But the need overall is really to move to what we call system value, right? Uh, the, the idea that we really need to, to consider uh, the uh, ecological boundaries and the social foundations that businesses are operating within. And that requires us really to, to, to shift the thinking to how do we put sustainability first and everything else second. That really brought me to this idea of awakened sustainability, which in a sense, it's, it's a vision right for a desired future. The idea that first and foremost, right, we need to have a certain vision in mind, a desired future that we uh, want to reach to. And, and that is what awakened sustainability is. And to your question, the idea of putting sustainability first, right, and, and moving from the business case for sustainability to the sustainable case for, for business is really to change the way we look at business and to ask ourselves, right, what if first and foremost, the, the criteria that we look at is sustainability. And from then we move on to start looking into other criteria that we usually put first, uh, like questions around uh, desirability and viability and feasibility and so forth. I'll give you maybe an, an example to make it clearer. So 
one thing is really about, I mean, how do we change, thinking about how do we change the environment, this, this idea of choice editing. So Marks and Spencer had this uh, idea about a decade ago, right, of becoming the most sustainable retailer. And the idea was that they want to make sure that everything in their stores is, is uh, sustainable. So when you come into their stores, no matter what choice you make, it's going to be sustainable. It may be a, a little less sustainable or more sustainable, but there is a, a clear bar that all the, the, uh, the products are sharing. And, and in a sense, this could be a metaphor to this idea that I'm, I'm talking about, where basically the different options that you put in front of you, right, are only the, the options that have met a certain sustainability bar. And then you can debate what type of innovation, what type of product, what type of business model and so forth you want to, to move forward with. Another example that you can think of is the French load that required all supermarkets in France to stop wasting food and throwing food to the landfill. It changed the environment and basically it required supermarkets to start thinking innovatively, right, about what do we do with food, right? But what do we do with food under the constraint that we cannot throw it away, right? We can have different types of innovation thinking about, you know, what would work best for us, best for our community and so forth. But we're working under the, the assumption that we know that we can throw it away, right? And, and so, again, in a sense, the starting point is a sustainability strong element that basically informs everything that comes afterwards. And this is what I hope, I think we need to see in order to change the, the dynamics in business, in order to make sure that business can indeed align itself with, again, the, the ecological boundaries and the social foundations that we need to use as constraints in order to, again, to make sure that we're, you know, that we can live in a just and safe operating space. Amazing. And as companies take these constraints and think about how to design and position their systems for accountability and sustainability. What do you think, what factors need to be broken down of current systems in order for real change to start happening? One thing that, that I'm looking at is really the, the question that goes really to, to how do we make the change happen? One thing, as I mentioned with the French law example, right, is about changes in regulation. But we also need to see changes in social norms as society. How do we redefine what's acceptable and what is not acceptable? How do we make sure that, you know, certain practices, certain behaviors, the use of certain resources becomes unacceptable? It also goes really to the thinking about markets. Markets are also uh, very powerful factor and the signals that they send are very powerful in terms of uh, shifting companies to, to directions, right? For example, think about uh, what would happen, right, or, or the, the potential of creating uh, a tax system uh, where the less you emit carbon, right, the less you pay uh, or, or the, the, the lesser the, the, the tax rate uh, you pay is. So, so basically creating uh, a tax incentive or in terms of capital allocation, right? Or in terms of uh, insurance rates, right? All of this could be very strong incentives. 
And and also finally, I think also with I mean these are all factors that are external to organizations. There could be also factors that are internal to organizations. I think about how organizations are designed. Uh, thinking about culture in organizations and and the way that you know that certain cultures could evolve again to to support the type of change that we need to see. Yeah, absolutely. As we think about all of these changes happening, what do you think it means for the future of CSR and entrepreneurship and the way it's even approached and businesses being built? That's a great question. So I'm not a fan of CSR. <laughs> I think that CSR from from my perspective is just, you know, it's, it's one example of sustainability as usual, right? It's this notion that, again, as a company, we weak, can eat the cake and and eat it too. And I think that what it means, right, basically is the narrative around what is responsibility, right? What are the relationships that we expect to see between companies and society are going to, to change? And, and I think that in a way, we're going to see a very different story evolves. One thing that I like to, <laughs> to share tell all my students is really to, to remember that, uh, you know, companies are stories, right? It, it's a story about, you know, what is a company, what it stands for, what we expect from a company. And so is CSR. It's a story. And in a way, I think it's, it's, it's an old story uh, or it's a story that is no longer relevant. And what I think we have to is to create a new story, a new story that is grounded in the reality of the, the 21st century, a new story that is grounded in the challenges that we face, right? In, in the notion that we uh, need to fight uh, the climate crisis, that we need to, to fight uh, social injustice and so forth. So that's one thing. When it comes to entrepreneurship, I think that, again, it's, it's really about if I'm an entrepreneur, what do I need to think about? What questions do I need to ask? The questions about sustainability are still, you know, lagging behind the other questions, like questions around market size and questions about product market fit and questions about financial viability and all of these questions that are very important questions. But I, th I think that they need to be grounded first and foremost in, in the question you want to create something innovative, but is it innovative and sustainable? Is it innovative and leading us to uh, the, the future that we want to see? Or is it innovative and actually is leading us, you know, and, and creating more obstacles or creating more challenges for us? So, so I think in a way, right, as, as strategic designers, right, we're always about, you know, how do we ask better questions? I think this is what we need to do when it comes to entrepreneurship. Yeah, I totally agree. I think in a lot of ways, the more businesses that we create are that are built unsustainably, it's really just feeding the systems that we're trying to tear down. You know, we've seen CSR as this kind of external facing, almost like public relations stunt evolve into ESG in some ways. And the next step in that regulation, what do you think that evolution could look like? It's really about shifting the focus, right, from voluntary-based goals to 
goals that are basically defined by the government and hopefully by you know this is on a global scale one thing I think is is thinking about how do we make sure that companies are aligned with science-based targets meaning that how do we make sure that companies are aligned with the Paris agreement goals that's one thing I would also like to see a new type of corporate laws where basically we see the the definition or a clear understanding of sustainability built into the requirements of uh, that uh, companies are obligated to fiduciary duty of, of board members and so forth. Do we have a clear language that is built into the corporate law helping to make it clear for companies that, Uh, their duty their obligation is first and foremost to society and the planet and within this space they're able to do you know all the the wonderful things that they want to do but first and foremost they need to remember this commitment and and I I want to see that commitment again brought into the language of corporate law definitely I think too often people forget that some of these you pledges and initiatives are not legally binding. So you can say all you want, but a lot of times no company is obligated to actually follow through on their promises. So hopefully that regulation will be coming in the future. And as we think about bringing newcomers into this conversation, you know, you being in academia, me as a student, I really absorb the information that I'm learning and I'm really invested in learning about the planet. So I have this baseline of knowledge about certain issues that I think helps me learn more quickly and be more a part of the conversation. I often find that it can be really difficult for people who are maybe from a different realm to come into this conversation without that level of detail or nuance. So how do we make sure that we're not gatekeeping information or oversimplifying it so that people aren't understanding it in full? How can we continue to expand this conversation with new audiences? This is what I find perhaps, you know, one of the most interesting challenges for us, right? Because this is about communication. This is about storytelling. One thing that helped sustainability as usual hold on for so long is that, you know, it, sustainability is complex. And, and, you know, there's a level of vagueness that, basically just <laughs> get so many people lost around it so I think for for us for designers for creative people the challenge and also something to prioritize is how do we create more clarity how do we create better tools that we can use to help people understand and and compare companies right and 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 help make sense what company is more uh, sustainable and what companies is less sustainable right now we don't really have good tools it's very difficult to hold companies accountable because you're right in, in a way it, it sometimes you know it's just too frustrating no one is going to read 80 pages of sustainability reports and try to make sense of them after you read them you actually you get more confused <laughs> than you were in the first place so I would say we need to create tools that are user-friendly that also could use advanced technology and help you know everyone not just I mean people as consumers but people as as citizens 
people in different roles as, as stakeholders uh, to hold companies accountable and to make sure that we can do a better job in terms of pushing companies into the right direction. Yeah, I think that there is a level of trust that people who are maybe learning about sustainability lack sometimes because there are so many examples of greenwashing out there. I think people care about the planet, want to protect the planet, get invested, be let down, and it becomes this very toxic cycle for consumers. But ultimately, consumer behavior drives companies and company messaging drives consumer behavior. It's a feedback loop. How do you think that this can kind of reach a symbiosis that's really productive? It's really interesting to think about, again, the ways in which companies share information. I'm always looking for companies that are trying to experiment with new ways of communicating. And even if they're not 100%, because no company is 100%, you know, they, they try to share their, their customers in their experiences. And I think that companies that do it well, it becomes part of their, you know, part of their identity. It becomes part of their brand and people appreciate it. So what it means also, I mean, uh, where, where is it coming from, right? Sometimes it's about the people that lead these companies and they're visionary, but many times it's also pressure, as, as you mentioned, and this pressure could come from different groups of stakeholders, including, but not only customers. So one thing that I would definitely encourage is I would encourage people to send an email, you know, send a message on Twitter to a brand that you like and ask them, hey, you know, what do you do about climate, right? Well, what are your goals? What are your plans? And, and get companies to see that, you know, people are interested, that people want more clarity, that people want more commitment. So I, I think that there's a role here, for, you know, to, to create a positive feedback loop. There's a role both for companies as well as for people in the role as consumers. Like you said, I, I do think it can come from multiple stakeholders, including possibly employees. How do you think that a employee at a company may think so much of this change is coming at a higher level from executives? And of course, that is where a lot of this change happens. Is there any advice that you have for an employee of a company that wants to see a change at the company that they work at and drive change within the industry? So actually, I, I believe that, you know, that employees have even more power than consumers because companies understand or they see the importance of their employees and they play an important role in, in the value that companies create. But and, and overall, but you're right. I mean, it's it's difficult, right? If I'm not the CEO, if I'm not part of the C-suite, right, what can I do? Well, I mean, we see more and more examples of employees that do initiate that are trying to, to work together, to, to collaborate, to partner with different groups in order to push companies to do more. So, of course, there are the examples in the, the tech industry, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, and so forth. But there, there are also examples uh, in, in other industries. Uh, for example, think about you know, the, the fight for, for $15 minimum wage, right? You can see employees in other industries that are collaborating and working together. So my advice would be if you feel that you, you want to see your company doing more or if you're not sure that your company is doing enough, 
look for other people that that you can collaborate with right if if <laughs> if you're on your own you know it's it's very lonely and and probably not very effective but you start collaborating with others and create a group and this group could be you know either within the the company or you could partner with others i i see very interesting uh examples for example of uh people working in uh, the pr and advertising industries that create groups uh that that collaborate between them and they work together people from different companies to help bring more pressure and create campaigns together and and try to to get the word out and and bring more accountability so whether it's within the company or outside the company you know look for you know like-minded people that have the same vision that are interested in taking action and start working together to think you know what what would be the, the best ways to to move towards uh, these goals and overall i mean it's very much you know about experimentation and trying and iterating and learning from what you're doing and uh you know continuing the the work hopefully towards getting the work done amazing building momentum thank you so much for being here raz i really appreciate your time and would you like to talk a little bit more about your book and any information that people listening should know about it Sure. So the book is Rethinking Corporate Sustainability in the Era of Climate Crisis: A Strategic Design Approach. The book is out there if you're a new school student. It's available through the the library for free. And I invite everyone also to check my articles on Medium where I try to highlight some of the issues that I discuss in in the book. and overall i hope that you know that the book helps people in organizations and outside organizations to gain more understanding on why do we need to to change sustainability in business as it is right now what do we need to change it to and perhaps most importantly how do we do it thank you so much for having me thank you again for being here and everyone else You can follow Environmentalist on Instagram at Environmentalist, and keep up with us on our website and blog, our newsletter, all on Environmentalist.co. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will talk to you soon.